You know those people who are really good at deciding they want to do something and then just doing it? I am definitely not that kind of person, and I tend to overthink every decision until I talk myself out of doing things. For about a year now, I've been toying with the idea of traveling in South America while I found myself between jobs and grad school. One of the places I'd heard about was a national park in Patagonia in southern Chile called Torres del Paine that is supposed to have some of the best and most remote views in the world. The logistics of booking camping reservations in the park are notoriously difficult. But one night in August, I stayed up way too late messing around on the camping websites and found myself booking four campsites from November 30th to December 4th. At the time, I'm pretty sure I didn't think I'd actually go through with the trip. But as it got closer, I bought a plane ticket, I bought some backpacking gear, and I even found a brave, or maybe a little crazy, friend, Alyssa, to join me. My name is Emily Fuller, and you're listening to another episode of Extraordinary. Do you think we brought everything? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have the tent. The tent. Um, we have our sleeping mat. Got our, our sleeping mats and bags. Sleeping bags. Got a shit got ton the, of food. Yeah. The stove. A cookware. Toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> Map. Passports. Passports. Money. Yep. The clothes on our backs. Tiny. We took a two-hour bus ride from the nearest town, Puerto Natales, to the park. Once you arrive, it feels a little bit like a theme park. Hundreds of people get off the bus at the same time and form a huge line to fill out an entry form and pay the park fee, which is about $30. Then they herd you, just like sheep, into a small room where you have to watch a video about the rules of the park. The main takeaway, don't start fires. The wind is so strong in Patagonia that fires can quickly get out of hand and they've been traumatized by several devastating wildfires over the past several decades. From here, we were meant to start out on our first 11-kilometer hike. But right off the bat, we got our first reminder that, especially when traveling, things hardly ever go according to plan. Day one. <laughs> what a day <laughs> it was. <laughs> it's a long day. I think I was a little overconfident. We ended up accidentally walking... 28 kilometers. About 16 miles, I think. Yeah. We still need to calculate that later. <laughs> yeah. That so ferry. The, the ferry that was supposed to take us to our starting point wasn't operating. There's a smaller ferry in its place, but we weren't assured that we were going to get a spot. And so in my infinite wisdom, I said that we should just walk from the administration building. Well, someone told us that that was... That's true. The option if the ferry wasn't working. We it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad the first section. The first four hours. Four hours were okay. <laughs> Which was supposed to take five hours, but somehow we, we kicked ass. We went really fast. It was right along a lake with beautiful. Yeah, an unreal view. blue. Oh my gosh. The second portion. <laughs> Three and a half hours more to our camping site. Was primarily a pill. Primarily, primarily against the wind. Climbing. It was all against the wind. Yeah, <laughs> straight up, mm -hmm. rocky hills, scrambling. 
We thought we were closer than we were. <laughs> Multiple times. Before we ran into those lovely people that told us otherwise. So how are you feeling today? <laughs> well, I've got some uh, substantial blisters. I think r- covering roughly 25% of my feet. <laughs> and you've, uh, you've <laughs> if given I had up to... on your hiking boots. Well, for now. <laughs> I'm going to give my feet a break and try the whole lightweight tennis shoe hiking uh, yeah. tactic. See how it goes for today. But the view of the glacier was worth it. I think I can definitively say. Really beautiful. Totally worth it. I'm glad you think so. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you don't hate me. (laughs) Although the journey to the park, in our case, involved international flights, taxis, buses, and lots of walking, once we actually arrived in the park, it doesn't really feel that remote. It's not that fight for survival, into the wild style of backpacking that... I know my mom was imagining. Every camping area has bathrooms, some flushing, some not. Some have an indoor space for cooking with counters, running water, tables, and in some cases you're camping right next to an actual hotel with a restaurant and mini market where you can buy snacks or meals if you're getting low on food. It's camping, but with amenities. Day two, we walked 11 kilometers. Yeah. Did some backtracking. Yeah, we knew what to expect. Yeah. We thought it was going to be way harder. Yeah, way worse. (laughs) Because we had gone downhill so much the day before, but that was at our... It was not bad. We made it to our second night campsite, which is the most exposed, supposedly, that we'll have. The wind was pretty strong. Some big wind bursts. I slept fine. (laughs) Slept like a baby. Kitchen was lively. Pretty huge, pretty crowded. Lively. Lots of Americans. Yeah, overheard a lot of conversations I didn't need to overhear. (laughs) But that's okay. Yeah. Not exactly remote. Yeah, limped around, hobbled around. Yeah. The the camping the uh, time off trail is certainly the worst for any bodily as aches soon or as pains. You stop you, yeah, mm-hmm. and then you try to walk around again. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's been the worst for me. Right, the most sore. Right, <laughs> but well, making it through. I think we're adjusting. I think our bodies are. <laughs> yeah, are resigned to <laughs> the pain. <laughs> it's kind of nice to be in a place where there's so many people who are appreciating the same things and in it for the same experience for sure but at the same time camping is supposed to be about getting away right (laughs) yeah I think like person to person it depends on what you're trying to get away from like I heard some people say they're looking forward to the lack of screen time but I feel like for a lot of people they want to have an experience out on their own away from the crowds yeah (laughs) in which case that would be difficult here. <laughs> I agree. It's kind of a conundrum. Some of the most beautiful places everyone wants to go to. So there's going to be a lot of people there. And I feel like a lot of people, what they're here for are the mm-hmm. pictures, which mm. <laughs> are going to go on their social media. Right. Which will be consumed later. 
right. on screens. <laughs> right. Just kind of ironic. Irony. Yes. <laughs> you know, I've been somewhat pleasantly surprised that there have been times when we've been hiking where we don't run into a ton of people yeah. for a couple of hours, and that's kind of refreshing. But then there are points where we run into, like, 30 people at once. Yeah. And so, um... And I would say we never go, like, more than a couple minutes without running into someone, right? True, true. Yeah. At this point, I had to stop recording our daily recaps because my phone was running out of battery and I needed to conserve battery to take pictures, you know, to share later on social media. We recorded these recaps later on a bus ride, so this is my way of apologizing for the background noise. Day three was Definitely our shortest day. A relief. <laughs> shorter day. Only two and a half hours of walking? Yep. I think we got there a little bit, or we arrived if, what, a little earlier than expected. And yeah. we attempted the middle of the W. Didn't make it all the way to the Mirador, but... It was a pretty tough climb. It was challenging, but the whole thing was...
inclines or the the incline, the elevation, which was significant. It was like 300 meters in Less one kilometer. A, yeah. yeah, 300 yeah. meters of climbing in one kilometer. Less than a mile. So we were um, we were pretty much scrambling. Yeah. Doing some. I was using my hands a lot, <laughs> navigating the the boulders and the cobbles, but. It seemed like we got a pretty early start in comparison to a lot of the big tour groups yeah. that go up for the day. And so when we actually arrived at the top, it was surprisingly empty. Yeah, we kind of had um, like our pick of places to sit and yeah. look at the towers, which was kind of the iconic view of the park. It just made it that much more special, I think, that we got to experience it, um, not completely on our own, but um, in a way that felt like we had our own personal space and time. Um, so yeah, less of the Disneyland feeling. Less of the Disneyland circus. Yeah. It wasn't quite as crowded. Yeah. yeah. And the just the continually changing conditions up at the towers was incredible. We were there for maybe less than an hour, less than an hour, and yeah. we experienced just an amazing show <laughs> up there right. between the wind and the sun and the darkening clouds. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, you could sit there all day and watch the conditions change, I think, and the shadows on towers shift and the wind on the water making patterns and interesting little currents yeah little dust devils <laughs> yeah swirling around but it was yeah it was a great way to end the trek is it worth it oh yeah <laughs> i knew it was going to be worth it from the moment we got to the park but blisters and all we made it yeah Actually, back home, you're a park ranger, right? I am, and I focus primarily in visitor services and education. So I get to staff extremely busy visitor sites in the Columbia River Gorge that have, I think, some of the same undercurrents as the Tourist Alpine National Park here in Patagonia. I think they deal with a lot of the same issues that we do back home, certainly the the use levels, so just too many people <laughs> for um, the site, and it might be endangering natural values, it might be putting stress on infrastructure, but at the same time, these lands are there for people to enjoy, so it's, it's continually trying to... Um, find a balance um, and it, it's also really interesting to see what their management techniques are um, to try and encourage compliance with the park rules so for example with the recent wildfires they've had in the park that devastated a lot of the the land there they've since um, created some mechanisms to try and prevent that namely only cooking in certain places yeah. they had the five minute the five I don't even know if it was five minutes, maybe the intro video. The three minute video <laughs> yeah. that all visitors were highly encouraged to attend by shoving us into a little room and 
and learning about the consequences of, of improperly using fire. And I think they appealed a little bit more to the authoritative, um, you know, instilling a little bit of fear in folks. I think in my role as a ranger, I kind of try and encourage compliance through appreciation of the natural resources that we have, but you appeal to people in different ways and um, the visitors that come to this park, that come to my forest unit back home are so different and diverse. Um, so it was, it was a really neat experience, even down to just their signs, getting to see how they're portraying information and, and creating this experience for, for um, visitors was yeah. a really good learning lesson for me. <laughs> In total, we walked more than 80 kilometers, which is about 50 miles, in five days. The experience was exhausting, and I know it might sound cliche, but actually really empowering. It was so satisfying to follow through and complete something difficult that I had been planning for a long time. I think I can speak for both Alyssa and I when I say we're both really fortunate to have the financial resources and family and professional support for a trip like this. There was also a fair amount of luck involved as well. We had nearly perfect weather during our trip, which is really incredible considering that I booked the campsites in August when there was no way to know the forecast for early December. I hope this podcast will be helpful for anyone thinking about traveling in Torres del Paine or just traveling in general. If you're able to do it, my advice is just go for it. You won't regret it. You can find this and other episodes of my podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud if you search for Extraordinary and my name, Emily Fuller. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned for more updates.